All right, everyone, welcome back. This is Ryan Selkis, and you're listening to Masari's Unqualified Opinions, where each week I interview crypto's top builders, investors, and personalities to discuss the key trends in the industry. You can discover more about Masari at masari.io. But for now, let's get right into the episode. It's going to be a good one. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, one of the top blockchain events and media production companies I've worked with. For exclusive content and events that could help you with insight into the crypto and blockchain space, check them out at blockworksgroup.io and you will not be disappointed. Welcome to uh, Unqualified Opinion. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm your host, Chiao, and today we have uh, Davi, um, I guess founding partner of yep. uh, Primitive Ventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, why don't, we, uh, why don't we start with a quick introduction of uh, yourself yeah, sure. and, and the company or... Yeah. Anyone, anything you want to talk about? Yeah, sure. Um, hey, guys. So my name is Davi Wan. So I'm founding partner of Primitive Ventures. A, we are a global crypto asset holding company uh, with offices in San Francisco, Boston, Shanghai, and Singapore. Um, I've been doing crypto investing like for the last four or five years. And um, me and my co-founder, Aaron Melter, we, so we met each other. I remember like... Um, in 2016, um, so like that's when like Zcash just launched, and we were both like early supporters of like Zcash, and um, and I remember like the earliest like just at, so when like Zcash just like just launched, and there's a huge pump like yeah. it's like all, to all the way to like three thousand dollars or something. Yeah, exactly. It's like one Zcash like she like ten bitcoins. Yeah, something like that is crazy. So like it was, um, so it was a moment that I realized that. Um, so something like 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 if we can so like how to outperform Bitcoin, right? And yeah. because like whenever we made investment, like the first question that we ask is like how these things can outperform Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And so like the answer for us is like first of all, if like there's anything that can be so orthogonal to Bitcoin, and because back in the days and like Zcash is pretty unique, right? Yeah. Because like before Zcash, there so like. Like there are a lot of the other like color coins out there, peer coin, like name coins, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and like none of them are um, like unique enough, and yep. so they can actually be orthogonal to Bitcoin as a so like as a um, independent asset. Um, so like that's when like Zcash is out, and and so like that's when we consider okay, so is there any potential opportunity that the other asset can actually outperform Bitcoin, uh, and then. I think the other thing that can potentially output from Bitcoin is like Bitcoin is a non-productive asset. So basically anything that can be a Bitcoin-based productive asset that can potentially output from Bitcoin. Like a private company? No. Um, so or, or a crypto asset, you mean? Like anything that can produce Bitcoin, right? Think about it. So oh, it so can... Miners. It can be mining. Yeah. Uh, potentially can be mining pool. Uh, it can be uh, exchange. Because the exchange basically is producing Bitcoin, so from the, so like from their trading fees, right? So this is what we consider as like productive asset, yeah, like of our industry, yeah, um, yeah. So I think like over the past few cycles, and like we have seen a lot of you know like up, like up and downs, and and like crazy things happen, and all this like gigantic rich, uh, so it's like all this gigantic race. Uh, and most of them are overraised and but like underdelivered, mm-hmm. and uh, I think the upcoming consolidation can be very interesting, like especially for like projects like raised over like five hundred million, even a billion, yeah. um, <clears throat> and then how that gonna pan out? Mm-hmm. 
So uh, we're going to talk about China in a bit, which is the the most important thing uh, that happened this this week and probably this year. Uh, but before that, I have a couple comments uh, related to what you just mentioned. Uh, number one, I, I totally agree with your investment thesis that uh, you probably want to, uh, if you want to produce return um, that is, you know, in a uh, that outperforms Bitcoin in a risk-adjusted way. You probably want to invest in something that's uh, orthogonal uh, to mm -hmm. Bitcoin, something that has something unique. So, I, I uh, frankly, I, I've only uh, personally invested in, in a handful of uh, yeah. crypto assets, and the only thing I really look at is, are they different enough, differentiated enough from the pre yep. fr from the um, incumbent, right? Yep. So, the first thing was Ethereum, very mm -hmm. different from Bitcoin. Yep. No idea if uh, like back in 2014, no, no one really knew if Bitcoin or uh, Ethereum was going to succeed, mm -hmm. and frankly, no one still knows. Uh, but it's differentiated enough. And mm -hmm. yep. um, Zcash is another example. It has this privacy focus. And then uh, Filecoin is one of my personal investments. <laughs> good um, luck. Good luck uh, to uh, uh, my investment. But uh, uh, it's differentiated enough. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's, trying to, it's trying to solve a new problem, right? Like uh, the problem is storage. So totally agree with your uh, investment thesis there. Um, so yeah, so let's, let's talk about uh, China. Yep, um, spicy. Spicy. So what? What? So uh, before, uh, before you know, uh, hearing your your take, um, tell us about the facts. What yep. happened this week? Uh, is it this week or last week? Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I can't remember. Uh, last think, week probably. Yeah. I think probably last week. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, so what happened is, and so first of all, a lot of people. So. I think in the Western community and people thought, okay, China is anti-crypto, it's also anti-blockchain, mm -hmm. but that's not true. Um, so Chinese government and CCP, and they have been always pro-blockchain yes. as a neutral technology, right? And what they consider blockchain is just a new type of like database management technology, and which is true, right? So if you think about like the underlying blockchain as a- It's a ledger. So it's like a ledger, right? Yeah. So it's um, um, DLT. And so that has been the stand um, like ever since the very beginning. Um, so like what they has been against to is all this like privately issued token. Mm -hmm. And then uh, so like that is so that is what they have been against to, and they also against uh, so they so they're also against uh, anything related to capital fly, like capital fly money laundry, and then so which is why they banned the, exchange, uh, the the centralized exchanges of, um, of trading of um, yeah of so like yet yeah, so it's a yes and no, um, so like so. Like basically the ban in 2017, like just uh, September 2017, and which is a very significant, like um, just like memorable date, like that's like the 4th of the September 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what happened on that day is because like it's pretty much the peak of the ICO hype. Yep. And, and so uh, like Chinese government, like they're always concerned about like potential like crash and which can lead to social unrest, mm -hmm. right? Social unrest and then all this like, retail. People just, lose money. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And so like that's why they basically banned the ICO and uh, ICO projects. And then like, also exchanges like that has been listing ICO like yep. tokens and without any approvals. And then so some exchanges like just shut down and if you can still remember like BTC China, like Yunbi, and then which used to be the Binance before Binance. It's yeah. a huge altcoin casino, right? Yep. And so like those are the exchanges that didn't, you know, like they don't have 
the gut enough, like to just keep on going. Yeah. So like that's why they just shut down and just said return money and then just like, clear everything. Okay. And so sound exchanges, so they basically sustain. And so uh, exchanges like Huobi, OK, Gate, and like used to be uh, like like Bitter, and and so like those are the three exchanges with the longest history and Chinese founder ran exchanges, and they're still around and then they're like thriving actually, and uh, like Huobi, it is like largely so like Huobi is largely operating in Beijing and OK is primarily in Beijing as well and Gate is Beijing. When you say operating you mean like you know the people like, like, the, like, the employees yes yeah, so like the, the team. team is actually there yeah like Huobi at the peak like after the 2017 ban Huobi grow like dramatically and at the peak has over like a thousand five hundred employees and so like that is actually contrary to a lot of like people's perception okay yep. so there's no exchanges like operating in mainland china but they're actually still operating there um so so i think like that is the one thing i want to clarify like there are still chinese exchanges and also the second thing is most of the chinese traders and they're still trade on these chinese exchanges because it's familiar like the language is better and then the design is more catered towards like their like preferences like things like that and the most important thing is that they have the trust because exchanges is so it's all about trust business yeah. and if you know the founder from hobby okay so if you know the person, if you know the team, and then so like you basically have this a uh, natural trust, right? Mm -hmm. So like that's why most of these uh, Chinese traders and especially like retail traders and they're still trading on these exchanges. Mm -hmm. um, so what happened? So what happened is, so let's talk about this uh, uh, presidency's um, talk, right? And mm -hmm. then like his emphasis on like blockchain. So uh, it is not the first time that he endorsed blockchain as a neutral technology and it's I, not the first time it's not the first okay. time last time i think it was like last year so like last year he also endorsed blockchain together with ai and like 5g and in one of these like national scientific conference okay um so he also mentioned blockchain blockchain and but what makes it different this time is like this time it's a dedicated it's a completely dedicated speech mm -hmm. and it also made in the very like uh it's like a very core internal ccp meeting yeah okay so that makes it's like it a, different. an entire afternoon of like a study session or something. yeah right yeah. exactly so that makes it actually different than like the previous just like just generic endorsement yeah um so like what he has said in the talk is and then so i just had like a, like a few things there and this is a very long talk and like a few things that caught my attention first of all at the very beginning he mentioned that all other nation states and all other major uh, nation states out there in the world they're accelerating their blockchain development so we as china we cannot fall behind Mm -hmm. So that's why I want to emphasize we should accelerate our blockchain development as well. Yep. That's the first thing. And then the second thing he mentioned is, uh, like, like he said, we want to participate in establishing the standard for blockchain. So I'm not sure is there an, like any blockchain standard to be honest, but yeah. like that's what uh, so like um, that's what he mentioned in so 
in his talk. And then so like what he said is like he want China to participate in this like um, like standard so it's a standard so like it's an industry standard establishment and i think probably like he considered blockchain as so as something so as something similar as like 5g and where like they have this like, telecommunication standard yeah um and it also like he said he want china to have like more influence and say and yeah. just a like, power in general um so of this whole industry uh so i'm not sure like how concrete that can be because like, there's no like you know, so there's no like centralized like committee like of the crypto industry or like of like blockchain industry. But but there is some network effect. I, I guess by by uh, saying setting the standard, he means, um, you know, um, you know, put, building out a protocol and then distribute it in a very wide way to, throughout the world and potentially bootstrap the yeah, network effect. Potentially, yeah. yeah. Because I like China has this uh, inclination that um, whenever they want to push for any, so when so whenever they want to push for any technology, so they want something that's China branded, right? Yeah. And they have been doing this for like uh, high speed train, yeah. like has been doing for like chip and silicon, yeah. like has been doing for- 5G. Um, like 5G and then also, um, so they want something that's a China branded. And then this is, uh, it's very, um, Patriotic, and then yeah. this is soft power. Yeah, yeah this is a developing China, creating China, and made in China, right? Yeah. So, like, like that is the like that is like a common practice, like from Chinese government and like CCP. Um, and so, like, that's why I think like this time when he emphasized on blockchain and like blockchain standard, yeah. that's probably along the same line. But, but I think like. Uh, what they didn't like to say, what they didn't realize is that blockchain is a very uh, like fragmented industry, right? So for now, like, at least for now, yeah. yeah. And and then so that's the second thing, and I think that worth mentioning. And like another thing that worth mentioning is, um, so he mentioned that. Uh, so first of all, like so like the entire talk, he didn't mention any single word. So about any token or yes, coin or like Bitcoin. I, I noticed that too. Yeah, zero so, mention of the word crypto. Yeah, it's, so, blockchain, it's, blockchain, so it's blockchain. all about this uh, neutral technology, right? Yeah. Uh, and so he also mentioned that, okay, blockchain should be like integrated with like actual business, like yes. the actual industrial like application. Very pragmatic. Um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so like that's why it's, it's just a database management mm -hmm. thing like for them, right? Uh, and then the last thing that he mentioned, just like literally from, so just like from his talk is, uh, we also have to be aware of the, po so of the potential compliance and just like regulatory risk. And then so we need to set this like industry, um, so like industry regulation standard, and then just so uh, make sure that the, the, like, so to make sure blockchain platform and like blockchain developer, uh, so can have a clear guideline to follow. Uh, like that's pretty much the last thing. That, that, in, that's very vague statement. Like yeah, what is- so, so because I think he understand that this, like the technology is very uh, deeply integrated with the money business, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, so, so he definitely understand what happened in like 2017, and then mm -hmm. like all this like ICO hype and like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so like that's why he's so like that's why he emphasized on uh, regulation and like legality um, like of the whole thing, and, and so like which is expected. Mm -hmm. uh, like, but like if I read between the line and then like think about what has like what has happened like in like last six months, uh, and I think the most important 
like incentive or just like the most important, like the most critical intent, like of the whole um, elevation uh, of this like, blockchain, uh, so of this like, blockchain promotion. Uh, my personal, so my personal opinion is that it's actually mentally and financially and politically prepared for the upcoming uh, digital renminbi. Agreed. Um, so, like, if I think about just like from CCP's perspective, and it's not about Libra, like that's not important. Like, like in the light of CCP, like Libra is nothing, right? So, like, never ever in the history that a single private company. Like, like just worth the response or like feedback from the presence level, right? But I mean, to be fair, uh, Facebook has uh, the the Facebook uh, population is far bigger than uh, the Chinese population, right? Well, it's like well, yeah, four or five times bigger. So, so the distribution mean, is is much. So like the the distribution. No, I think the distribution is actually on par because Facebook has two billion DAU or like one point seven billion DAU, and China has like one point three billion, so one point four billion population. So it's actually the same scale, right? Mm-hmm. And then Facebook will never be able to enter China. So, um, so the digital renminbi and and also like why. Chinese government like wants to launch the digital like the digital renminbi and, yeah. and so they, I think the so the purpose like so there's so um, there are both like domestic purpose so like when it comes to like domestic purpose and if you look at the China so if you look at China's like mon- so just like the mon- like the monetary supply so the monetary supply right now like the existing system is also fractional reserve like which means sure. the commercial bank can actually issue more money right uh, so by this fractional reserve system and China has been long time fighting f- with like shadow banking business yep. the shadow banking business right now s- like surpassed like 10 trillion like which means it's over tri- what is that what is that number like 10 trillion what loans or transaction like, volume no or? it's basically money out so if you think about the m2 it's supply like m2, yeah, okay. so if you think about m2 supply yep. close to 30 percent of the m2 supply is from shadow banking business i see right that's insane yeah and that is the thing that um, like PBOC has no visibility, has no control over, and then that is also like, like the fundamental reason for a lot of this, you know, what we consider as a financial this like financial explosion or just like regional financial crisis, mm-hmm. right? It's all because of this uh, shadow banking business. Um, it's like a, a lot of leverage in the economy that the central bank doesn't have control. Yeah, so over. like difference in like peer to peer lending yeah. and then all this. You know, wealth management product, and then so all this like, financial institution has been selling, and then even some part of like insurance product, and then so which package into this like high yield, um, you know, uh, wealth management product, yeah. and then so those are the things that like it's actually m- like monetary supply, yeah. but the PBOC has no control over, right? Um, and then also. Because the Chinese local Chinese market is very speculative, right? So, like the Chinese Asians, is over half, it's over fifty percent are just like retail pump and dumpers, right? Mm-hmm. It's all like retail driven market, right? It's it's the same thing for the real estate market, like same thing for stock market, mm-hmm. and even same thing for the gold market, right? So so like this turn is like, 就大妈, right? So basically means like mid age. 
Chinese auntie, right? Yeah. And like, it's a very major power of like buying up everything. Yeah, it's buying up all the luxury goods and like real estate and even gold. Yeah, and so I mean, recently there was this uh, thing around uh, sne- uh, sneakers, right? Like, yeah, right. Uh, it's just that like, people just like, pump and dump and speculate on like like just like shoes, just, like sneakers, yeah. and and so so because I. Like the like the mentality of like Chinese investor, especially for like retail investor, is very speculative, and then so so like it's very easy to manipulate the market. Um, so like the other purpose, and just like from my own analysis, is like once we have this digital Remy B out, because everything's gonna be M zero, right? It's full reserve. Like because if you consider like a very extreme situation, if everything become M zero. Right, and then which means gonna be like a full reserve system, and then all the money flow gonna be under control of the PBOC. So what they can do is, okay, if I want to cool down the stock market, like say for instance, they can actually block, like certain uh, so like certain amount of money flow into the stock market, like that specific sector of the economy, right? They can easily program the monetary policy, easily as that. This is a very interesting theory. I had not thought about it, but yeah, it's because like, they can totally do it. So if they want to cool down the real estate market, mm-hmm. and then they can actually program, like from like top down level, saying okay, the renminbi because it's a cash equivalent, right? Because so the renminbi and then my like this money supply and this amount of like money, so like this amount of the money, so like this amount of the monetary supply cannot go to this financial sector. They can easily do it. Like, as long as everything will be digitized, because uh, right now it's out of their control. Financial institution, banking, like banking institution, and even just like all these like, brokers, right? Just like prime brokers mm-hmm. and financial institutions. So like, so they control the actual retail on ramp and flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and once everything back to the control of the PPOC, and like they can program that, right? But why, why can't they do it with um, a traditional tech stack? Um, so because like, once the money is out from the reserve, mm-hmm. it's out of their control, right? So, like, so like how you can control like difference? But, but as in like, why can't they just use a SQL database and just issue a bunch of uh, currency in there and try to push the database to all the, the entire population? Oh, so like why blockchain? Yeah, so you why blockchain versus like database? Like um, no, no. So I think blockchain for them is just like a better way to manage, like because so everything will be on the private cloud of PBOC, and it so it would be like a private chain. Okay, so, so it's essentially okay, it's okay, like a, so fair. it's like essentially gonna be like a database. So mm-hmm. it is not going to open up to everybody. Like there will be like there will, there will be permission, and then like. Like just had the, uh, so the big four commercial banks are gonna be, you know, permission to enter this, you know, blockchain like mm-hmm. ledger. So it's basically like ledger management system for PBOC. Mm-hmm. And then like what's different is and, um, so they will have a median of exchange. So like the token will be the median of exchange. Um, so, so. Like that is so that is like a symbol. Like that is actually like a symbol and ticker, like for them to manage this ledger, and then it will be cash equivalent. Uh, so from, so just like from like the monetary aspect. Okay, 
Like our so like one so it's like one key difference is and it's unlike physical cash because like like what used to be is PBOC has to print the actual physical money, right? Mm-hmm. And then like once the physical money is out and then they have no control and then so all and then all like commercial banking and then like and like the other financial and then the other financial institution so they can basically uh make like their book and then to issue like uh M2, right? Mm-hmm. And then so right now, everything will become this digital cash, right? Mm-hmm. So that is the fundamental difference. So, so, so like, so just I like think about this, previously will be a fractional reserve system. And then like what's fractional comes from the commercial banks. Mm-hmm. And then right now gonna be a full reserve system. So if everything just replaced by this, so if everything gonna be replaced by this digital renminbi, so that's the difference. I, I like the theory around. Uh, by the way, how, how confident are you if, if uh-huh. about this theory? So the theory about like programming monetary policy. Yeah, I think that's a very natural thing to do. To be honest. Okay. Yeah. So I, because you already have the power in hand, so why not, right? I I think. My gut feeling is I, I agree with this, mm-hmm. like con- uh, programming the M0 and um, use that to control the upper layer. But yeah. um, I don't think they will go for a full fractional reserve. I think they're going to do... Just like go away from fractional reserve? Yeah, go away from, sorry, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. Go away from a fractional reserve to... Yeah, so to I think, so it's that definitely like a pro- So. I think it's like somewhere in between where they, so to your point, Mm -hmm. they're able to control certain industries Mm -hmm. that, so for for instance, commercial banking or shadow banking that can Mm -hmm. create N2 on top of N0, they they will be able to control some verticals and control the leverage, basically better control of the leverage. Yeah, so I think, so I'm not sure what is like the plan right now, just like the actual like actionable plan, especially for commercial banks. And and so are they able to leverage up and then based on this M0? And so I, so I, so I have no idea, but, but, but like, that's like a most extreme situation going to be everything going to be M0, right? Yeah. So that's the most extreme situation. Yes. Um, no one knows that like, what's the plan right now, like once the thing is fully rolled out. And, uh, but I think like, like the, like the intent there is to fight shadow banking, to have more power centralized back to PBOC. So PBOC will have a better, uh, visibility and like transparency of how the money is flowing and then so they can better design the monetary policy and um, and also like there's the other purpose is like like globally and then how yes, to that, make, that was my follow-up question yeah so like globally how to make renminbi as the secondary reserve and because we have like like the de dollarization is actually happening right and then so if we have seen uh, the global reserve of like US dollar asset and has been declining and then renminbi is like going up yep. and then say for instance like the Russia government has been just like stacking up like more renminbi and uh, and then also because of this like one bell one road initiative and then China has been helping and then making a lot of like, infrastructure investment in all this like, developed like in all these like, less developed countries. It's and the one belt one road. Policy. Yeah, so that is a one belt one road thing. And uh, and then so if you go to like Africa and so some other like areas that China has very heavy investment in and, and so like there's a lot of like Chinese workers there, like Chinese employee, and then so Chinese like state owned go- like it's like Chinese like state owned enterprises, and then so they have a huge presence there, mm-hmm. and so 
there's already a need for renminbi like liquidity basically local liquidity of like renminbi yeah. the demand is there right yeah. um and also there's a demand of so there's also demand of like renminbi from the other reserve like so so from so from the other central bankers because yeah. like right now all the central bankers like they want to diversify their own reserve as well right mm-hmm. um so i think that is a, like a second like the second purpose and it's like global purpose. So how does how does this uh, how how does using the blockchain technology so make this more so like it is happen? not about blockchain. So like I said, like the blockchain is is just a better way to manage the ledger, um, and then it's just it is just easier. Like so, I'm not sure what specific technology of the blockchain. So so you can consider like like R three version, but it's dedicated for. So for like just like uh, so so it's so it's probably like R three type of thing, and then but it's for PBOC and then like all the um, affiliate banks like out there, yeah. and so it's like a private chain. So private chain essentially is a like it is like a append only database, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think but a private chain with uh, one point four billion people yeah, distribution. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so it is like a private chain. As a apparently encrypted database, mm-hmm. uh, and and then it will help like interbank clearance, like for sure, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, so does not have to like the blockchain is just a term. Isn't uh, interbank clearance in China pretty pretty efficient nowadays? Uh, actually, not as efficient as you thought. Like because right now everything is based on legacy database, like. There's no efficient like so. There's no efficient uh, synchronization, um, and then each bank like will have their IT system. Like mm-hmm. to be honest, like there's no like, so there's no one across the board like IT system, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of like insynchronization. So it is not as good as you thought, and and mm-hmm. and so like that's why the legacy banking infrastructure is so bad. So. That's why things like Alipay and like WeChat Pay so can actually take over like so can take over the market quickly. The, the payment business. So from payment to money market business to mutual fund, right? DeFi. And <laughs> yeah. So. By, by the way, do you think this is good news or bad news for uh, WeChat Pay and, and Alipay? Because um, like they they're responsible for like what two, so, yeah. twenty trillion dollars worth yeah. of transactions. So, so so like for them and they will become one of this uh, distribution channel. Be- yeah. So because uh, like the structure of the, di- so the structure of the digital roaming be gonna be like a wholesaler versus like distributor model. So PBOC gonna be the wholesaler and then they will be the, like one of the distributors. So they will be one of the um, distribution channels. And, and so I think their business, so their business not gonna be impacted because PBOC not gonna make a like a dedicated user interface, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, they will be the warehouse. They will, so they will be the money warehouse. They're the back end. So they're like the we, back end, right? Yeah, so like front-end. WeChat and then and then like uh, uh, Alipay, so they will still be the front end, right? So I don't think their business will be impacted that much. So as long as they, so as long as like they can be on the table, so to play the game. So as far as, so, as far as I know, so they will be one of these like candidates, and then so to become one of the node that will be plugged into this, you know, private blockchain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So 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 like they will be definitely on the so they will be definitely on the table, and so they will have their own card to play. And uh, because I think 
WeChat Pay and Alipay, they are so they have made enough effort to connect like offline with online because they have spent a ton of effort to bring all this so to bring all this offline merchant on board. That's actually like a precondition uh, for PBOC to launch this digital renminbi, right? Because what, what do you mean by off off chain merchant? So like offline. Oh, that, sorry, yeah, off offline merchant. Yeah, yeah so like. Because if you think about this, before WeChat Pay and Alipay, right? Mm -hmm. And people are still using cash. Right now, it's cashless. Yeah. Like, thanks for that. There's right? no physical cash anymore. Yeah, so basically, they eliminate the... Um, so, like, like WeChat Pay and Alipay because of their, like, all this like, business effort. So they actually are the key contributor for the elimination of physical cash back in China. Yep. And then, so that's actually not done by any like banks, so, right? Yeah. yeah, so I think they actually pave the path for this, so for this digital renminbi. Yep. So without this, it will be much harder to roll out digital renminbi because like, the digital versions do have to fight with the, so the physical like, version. So like the physical version yep. and, and so, so that can be tricky, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think they will be definitely part of the important pillar like of the whole, um, digital renminbi initiative and mm -hmm. and so um they will be so they will be a um like un, so 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 like they are definitely in the game yeah very interesting that was mm -hmm. uh eye opening theory <laughs> let me uh let me think about this a little more uh huh but let's let's talk about bitman uh, <laughs> something uh, very very strange happened to, to I guess something dramatic happened yeah to so I never expect that can happen yeah like, so, so what happened first of all well I think people already know that right so like Jihan basically um, like literally fired the other co-founder like on the spot and um, and then most likely without the consent from like assistant shareholders uh, and also it's like out of nowhere and no one knew this will be coming. Mm -hmm. and, and even the other co-founder has no idea. Uh, and okay. so what happened, like this is, I think is more dramatic and like, I, so it's more dramatic and eye-opening and then any of this like, TV series out there. <laughs> and what I consider is like a Godfather level, like, you know, it's a Godfather level movie uh, it's a crypto version Godfather, basically. It's like a, it's like a mafia, it's like a mafia ad, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think like Ji, like Jihan definitely, um, like, like I really respect him to be honest. Like have this You're pulling something this, like this off. Yeah. So so, like this really happened in any business setup, right? Because in business setup, like most of this a power struggle are very silver, like very sophisticated, and then it's always on the table, like it will never be so public, mm -hmm. and it will never be so um, so drastic and so dramatic. And, and um, I think this only happened in political setup, mm -hmm. in actual political setup. And so what happened is just like TLDR, it's like one day, just a few, just a few few days ago is the 28th or like 29th and um like the assisting like the former <laughs> like the former ceo mm -hmm. like the former ceo of Bitmain, and so he was not in beijing so mm -hmm. so he was not in beijing headquarter and he was in shenzhen for the other press event mm -hmm. and like jihan and just, well, what was jihan's role like jihan's role like because jihan like jihan stepped down like right, right, yeah so like jihan stepped down and 
only as a shareholder and like the board, like like on the board, and not involved in like daily operations. So sure. like, so like that's why he's like at least like to us, and then he's focused on like matrix port, right? Like mm-hmm. his new company, um, and so that was like late last year. And he literally just like, stepped down as the co-CEO because it previously was the co-CEO, right? And so that day, uh, uh, his co-founder was in Shenzhen, and then Jihan just went back to the office and went, just like went back to the office and then sent like a like like sent a company sent a company wide email to everybody, um, saying the co-founder is fired. And the co-founder is fired literally by him, and um, and then also in the email he was saying, I think that's pretty intense. So I rarely see any corporate level. E- I mean, as far as I remember, his co-founder has more shares than he does. Yeah, like ten percent more actually. Yeah. So somehow he executed a fifty-one yeah. percent attack by <laughs> exactly with uh, other shareholders. Yeah, it's a completely reorg. So right? it, this was a legal. Like was the whole process legal? No or? one has like no one like first of all no one knows what's happening to be honest like whether right. it's legal illegal. Um, there's a lot of like unanswered question and mm-hmm. but the thing is, um, like Sifers and like the other external investors of Bitmain are Sequoia China and like the Signal Innovation and a few other, and Sequoia China has the biggest like external like stake, and but it's only two point seven percent. It's tiny. It's mm-hmm. only 2.7%. So I think that's not surprised that there's no proper investor governance on the company. Uh, so basically, the company is primarily so it's like primary like governed by the co-founders by themselves, right? Um, so I'm not sure how Jihan can pull it off, but like he did it. So he did it, mm-hmm. and then he took over the company mm-hmm. physically. First of all. <laughs> He took up the company physically, and then he sent this all hands email like to his employee saying uh, the co-founder is fired, um, and then also like no one can have meeting with the co-founder, and then can so can take order from the co-founder, and then otherwise he or she will be fired as well. Mm-hmm. And then the second he like the second thing he did is basically fired the entire HR department. And then immediately replaced with his own people. Okay. So, to me, this is effectively a coup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, Absolutely. Yeah, it's a so it's a business version coup, mm-hmm. uh, right? Um, so. How do you think this will impact the future of Bitmain, which for now is still the most important mining business? Yeah. Uh, so. In, in so crypto? I think the impact can be. Because I assume the the coup was. Due to uh, some discrepancy or difference in yeah, so like vision the, between so the two co-founders, I think there will. So, if you think of so if you so if you so if you think from like Jihan's perspective, like if he can solve this in like a peaceful way, uh, like he shouldn't have done this, right? So this is just like completely irrational to me. Like to be honest, because like if you make such an intense, ugly fight. And then it's a so it's so it's like clearly a lose lose like sure. like situation, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's a clear sign to the public that like the governance is such a shit, right? Mm-hmm. It's a clear sign to the investors that none of this like co-founders can actually manage the company well, right? 
is a clear sign to the capital market that there's a lot of problem of the company and at least the management team. So, so at least so at least the management team is very um, so it's just not sophisticated enough, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think if like there's no like unsolvable like like conflict, and then so it shouldn't be like this. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that's why the impact can be major, uh, like the impact for the employees' morale, like the impact mm-hmm. for like uh, like the optics, like like the optics is like the most important thing for like any companies out there, right? Sure. Um, so like the optics for the capital market and I, I think it's after this, it's pretty unlikely that that yeah. will go IPO. So because like Canon gonna IPO first, like for sure, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so. Um, so I think like the consequence is major, um, and and then we have no idea and then how the other co-founder gonna react, and so if he's really fired by some illegal action and we don't know right, and then mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of room for him to actually fight back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to fight back like via um, litigation and lawsuit potentially. Um, and so no one knows how the thing's gonna evolve, and and because it seems like uh, it's pretty shaky right now, mm-hmm. uh, and so, so like to be honest, and this is actually a golden opportunity for all the other like minor manufacturers. Absolutely. Right. So like because I when so you don't die because of competition. You basically die as a company because you screw up. You screw up. Uh, because of your screw up yourself, right? Yeah. And then so that's always the case, yeah. right? And I think like for many other uh, 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 just minor manufacturers out there, and, and that is like that is like what's best for them, right? The golden opportunity for them like to take over like big mains or like market share, or like even do, and then like even just uh, like even just have like negative propaganda like. Against Big so like against Big Man, like because it's very easy to so it's very easy to do right now, right? And then basically try to rip off the confidence of the market, like on Big Man. And, and so I think like strategically, like this might be um, like the darkest moment for Big Man. Mm-hmm. And I hope so. I hope Jihan can get it over mm-hmm. um, because I still think that Big Man has made uh, pretty. You know, like significant uh, progress, uh, like over like the history of the company and and um, like good and bad, like because like, we still need to have enough competition, like of the mining industry, right? So like without Big Man, and there might be another Big Man. So like my personal take is, and I want so I so I want the mining industry like to be as fragmented as enough. Of course. Yeah. So like. That's why, so like that's how we can have options. Um, so I don't want them to die. Uh, so I want them to stay in the market. And so like that's why I hope that like, Jihan can get it over. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely extremely messy and like chaotic right now. Cool. Yep. Well, that was uh, eye-opening, uh, both the, the China insight as well as the, the Bitmain drama. Uh, uh-huh. Again, I, I hope our audience uh, learn as much as, as I did. Um, Thank you, uh, Davi, for joining Thank us. Thank you, Chow. And again, this is Chow uh, from uh, Masari, uh, Unqualified Opinion. Thank you for watching. Thank you.
That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. New episodes of Unqualified Opinions go live weekdays at noon Eastern time. You can follow me in the meantime on Twitter at 2BitIdiot if you want to continue the conversation or troll me. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.